This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Pivotal Conversations podcast. First of all, I just want to say an apology. It has been a couple of weeks since we've had an episode out, um, but today's episode is absolute fire. I sit down and have a conversation with Jack Boone, and Jack is the owner of Jungle HQ, which is a PT studio out in Paran, uh, just based in Melbourne. Uh, it, it's quite an amazing place. If you haven't checked it out yet, make sure you do. It's it's really one of those places that I think you couldn't have a bad workout at. Like... Honestly, fucking every toy that you have ever wanted in a gym is there. And, you know, the culture is amazing too. And, and what Jack's building there is it's more than a gym. And, and, you know, the people that he already has in there, they're, they're just amazing people. You know, every time I sit, I sit in there, I have a conversation with someone different. And, you know, we, we venture into different topics. You know, I was, I was sitting down having a chat to Brady last week and we're talking about silent retreats. And, you know, just the fact that you can kind of walk in there and have conversations straight off the bat with people means that it's, it's definitely going in in the right direction and it's you know as i said it's fucking the equipment's just next level um but today's episode we you know it's really a great episode because i think that jack is someone that comes with uh experience and wisdom beyond his years you know and when i say that he's been in the industry uh, a little bit longer than i have but you know he was also the owner of grip personal training studio which was one of um melbourne's premier personal training studios you know doing a ridiculous amount of sessions, doing group training. But, you know, it, it really was. Like I remember a few years ago just on Instagram and these kind of things, you know, I, I personally thought it was the best in Melbourne. Um, but the interesting thing is is that, you know, Jack decided to walk away from that. And I think, you know, and he's also, you know, so he kind of, we talk about living out your truth and, you know, the ideals that surround you and talk about Jack's journey in the industry from, you know, wanting to play elite level sport, thinking that that was the only way he could have success as, you know, due to his father being a professional athlete and all the way through to, you know, his grip days and and then through to jungle now. But, you know, in between these, we have some really great conversations um, and cover some some really great topics such as, you know, living out your truth and and the ideals that surround us, you know, the the things that we're trying to live um, and be successful and live out the lives that we believe are going to make other people happy and not ourselves. And you know, I feel like that's a problem that, or a struggle that we all go through at some point in our life. And you know, some of you may be going through that now. So, you know, it, it is good for you guys to hear that and hear us talk about that. And um, you know, the other one is creating more than a gym. Um, and for me, this is a big one. Is like I always say that you don't uh, find your passion; you create it. And you know, you have to work with people and you have to believe in something that's that really drags you out of bed every day, that something is you truly believe in and that's something that becomes bigger than yourself as an individual because when yourself as an individual outweighs uh, what you're creating uh, w- within your business and, um, you know, create it's bigger than the concept and, and you don't have a concept that is bigger than you, then, um, you, you know, you're always going to struggle because then the business is about you and, you know, th- that can lead to, a, a you know, to some pretty bad times and, um, you know, suffering get through being lost in thought. So, um, as always, I, I hope you enjoy this episode. 
Um, if you have any questions or you want to reach out to Jack as well, all of or even check out Jungle on Instagram. We'll be putting all of their um, handles in the show notes. Uh, and again, just a big thanks to everyone who supported the podcast. Um, again, if it is an episode that you enjoy, please share it with your friends. Tell them about it and uh, keep supporting the podcast. Share it on Instagram. That is the best way that we can continue to have these really, really important conversations not just for PTs anymore, like for just anyone in the industry who's a sole trading business owner. I think it's important that we we don't just talk about the surface level stuff. We really go deeper than that and we have conversations that matter because, um, you know, as you know, my belief is that conversations can be life-changing. Uh, so I hope that this one is for you and re- I hope that you really enjoy the episode. Ciao. Welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you. Uh, so today we have Babs, Jack Boone, the owner of Jungle HQ on the podcast. Um, so we're going to start the podcast. Just by the way, I am. Uh, I'm using. I'm. I'm. A, I'm an outside wolf today as That's well. A collaborative again. podcast. I'm again not using my own gear. You've still got all the idea though. <laughs> um, so what I'll get you to do, man, is I want you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your journey into the industry, uh, yep. journey in the industry uh, to date, and. Uh, Take us all the way up to where we are right now and then uh, we'll, we'll get stuck into it. Sure, man. Um, I suppose from a young age I had uh, a lot of interest in uh, physical, physical activity um, surrounding sport um, and then I also loved action movies and so uh, I remember being on you know, flights to England with my family and being – you know, only seven or eight years old and sitting next to my old man on the plane watching Lethal Weapon and Platoon and things that were far... <laughs> Number three is the best. Yeah, inappropriate for someone of that age. And um, maybe that's where all that sort of stemmed from in terms of, uh, you know, f- physical strength and manliness or whatever sort of tied into that um, psychology. And uh, so I've played every sport under the sun through school, um, and I think mum bought me my first set of like dumbbells, which were up in my bedroom and I was probably only maybe 12 years old and, you know, I used to pump out hundred curls and hundred pushups sort of every night before getting into bed. And, um, then it wasn't too far after that until I found myself in a gym, you know, we all, we all did that. I reckon like I had a set of dumbbells in my room as well, yeah. pushups, sit-ups every night Yeah, from a young age. And for me, I think it was things just that, um, I gravitated to it naturally, you know, you gravitate towards things that you're good at and I always had um, a natural ability for uh, for athletic performance and um, you know, strength. So, again, just mucking around in the playground with your mates and you're having a bit of a wrestle, it's what you do when you're that age and, you know, you realise you've got some attributes and, and that's what sort of sparked to uh, magnify, magnify that. So I found myself in the gym from about probably 14 years old um, and just being always a very curious um, curious creature and typically like even in a social environment, you know what I mean? Like uh, I'm certainly not shy but I can feel quite shy in a new group of people that I don't know very well and much prefer sit back and observe and take in information and feel figure out where I fit in in this and where I feel comfortable to be sharing and open with other people and I kind of did the same thing in the gym you know and was fortunate to um, have some older peers that I knew from school that were um, 
that had been in the gym for a few years and they were kind enough to sort of show me some things and before we knew it, we were training together from time to time and uh, they moulded me and taught me a lot of the basic sort of foundations of weight training. Um, and then, you know, I've been born in the, the era of where YouTube and everything sort of started rising. So we've had all that stuff around us to um, to play influence and I found myself doing my personal training certificate while I was still at school. Um, and then my so first... that was from a, a young age, 16, yep. 17? So I think I actually was qualified at 17 yeah, and I actually took a few, um, like group training was my first ever sort of experience um, out at um, the Bell Reeve Cricket Ground, um, which was just more of a work experience type thing. And then I landed my first job in at Zap Fitness in Liverpool Street, Hobart at 18 years old and... Um, when I was at that age, you know, my priorities and who I am as a person is very different to what that what I am now. Um, and personal training was an awesome exchange of time for money. And um, you know, before my, we my, move forward, I'm just gonna I'm gonna jump in there because yep. it's, it's a question I've been playing with in my head, and it, it represents what you just said. And and we'll kind of we'll keep going, but we're gonna. It, it's the the, it, it's really the question is like you know. Um, uh, it come up from I, I seen a quote the other day, and it was you know I became who I was who I truly am, mm-hmm. and I wanted to get your opinion on that because it said you know you obviously said that your you, your values and and how you, or I guess the person you are now is very <coughs> different to the person you were back then, and and you know as it's the exact same with myself, but mm-hmm. I mean in my point of view it's a little bit more of it's a forever moving target, like it's yep. it's not that I was, I think. People try to find meaning in saying this is who I'm meant to be or in the moment and it's how they can almost rationalise their behaviour in the past. And for me it's more like, you know, it's a forever moving target. The person I am in 10 years Mm -hmm. is different to the person I am right now and it's going to be different Mm -hmm. because that's what the brain does. That's how we actually, on a from an evolutionary standpoint, actually progress. Um, no, mate, that resonates a lot with me and it's, um, you know, I've, I've had a fairly unique set of experiences growing up, uh, growing up in a small town where everybody knows everybody and um, then that magnified being that I had a, um, a father who was very successful in, in the sporting world so um, there was extra attention and eyes on me and uh, a lot of external and internal expectations for me to follow in those footsteps and um, be great because of the name that I was born with. And um, for my entire life, like I said, I, from a young age, I had a lot of natural ability. Um, and you always, if you've got a good relationship with your uh, parents, you look up to them with admiration and um, a dream to, to make them proud. And I thought the in my immature and inexperienced mind um, thought the only way that I could do that was do what he did to that mm. level, if not better. Um, and that was, that's all that existed in my head for a long time. Um, and, you know, certain circumstances occurred, which led to that not being the outcome that had always been in my mind, which I think is where a lot of my, um, Challenges, mentally, emotionally, uh, personally, sort of came from because failure happened. But, um, you know, you learn a lot from failure. So I probably was, um, I was probably 20 years old 
when I came to accept that professional sport was not going to be um, my lifestyle and career path. Um, and that was tough to come to terms with, tough to accept um, inside my own mind that I, that I wasn't a failure for, for having not done that. Um, and I think when, when, when we look at the reasons on why I was thinking that way, it was probably misaligned and I had to really go back to the drawing board and because I didn't know who I was mm. outside of that, um, what that stereotype. Or what you thought everyone wanted you to be. Exactly. So uh, I, I've had discussions with, with my uh, family and close friends that I really only feel like I've been alive for five or six years. Mm. You know, I'm 28 now, but through the first few years of that uh, dynamic change, you know, you're figuring that out. Um, and now I'm really pleased and grateful that I didn't um, didn't succeed in those um, ventures because I wouldn't be the person who I am now and I'm now extremely comfortable with myself and um, and, and like the, the way that my mind thinks and I think I've got greater empathy, um, greater intelligence, greater self-awareness, um, more patience uh, and, and work ethic, work ethic being the big one because, uh, as I mentioned, I had natural ability and I thought that th- those were the things that were going to get me there. But um, to really make it at the elite level, you need natural ability with applied um, effort. And so having seen that disconnect has now uh, created – not a monster, but it's created created someone that's happy to put their head down, bum Fire. up and, and actually enjoys and thrives in the pressure. Mm. Um, you know what I mean? So – uh, that that's been a big. I think it's such an important. <clears throat> I think it's such an important conversation. Um, mm. You know, it's we. I think me and Jordan Shallow touched on it in episode one of the podcast. Is living true to yourself. Um, you know, a, a lot of the time we can go through life and we're living a life that we believe everybody else is going to be happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what that does is it's you know you, you you're constantly ne- left with emptiness, man. 100% man and, and you know I went through a similar thing in maybe the first three or four years of my career um, from probably 20, not even that, like when I first came into the industry I was a little bit lackadaisical but then when I truly started to want to, uh, to make, want to really create a career for myself, um, I found myself almost questioning whether PT could do that mm-hmm. so then I, I kind of worked and I worked and I worked based on a figure that I wanted to earn Mm-hmm. And that figure, I earned it, mm-hmm. but I also was only earning it because I thought that's what I had to do to match, you know, the people around me. Um, and and the people around me is like, you know, from a position of where my, you know, the partner I'm with and, and you know, um, they come from a successful family and, and, you know, that in my head I'm like, fuck, bro, I'm just a PT, you know, like, mm-hmm. and that was the first thing that come to my head and, you know, I think it's important because that goes on with a lot of people. It's the same with like university degrees and these kind of things. Like people are, are, are kind of looking at these ideas that don't actually exist except for in their own head to really try to, uh, I guess, live a life that's going to make everyone else happy except for themselves. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, no, it's interesting. Like, so, you know, part of the, um, 
part of the attraction to professional sport is the lifestyle that goes with it in terms of the financial freedom. Mm. So money was always very exciting to me, the idea of it. Um, and that's what led me to go and do a university degree to study marketing and finance. I'd watched Wall Street too many times. Uh, I knew I wanted money. Mate, I did the that, same That thing. was a good thing. Marketing, construction management. Mm. I went through the works, bro. And, mate, I like I said before, I didn't know who the fuck I was. Mm. So I went to uni because that's what my mates were going and they're now accountants and lawyers and whatever. So I was just like, well, I'll just do what they're doing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And um, it was in those sort of years around that 20, 21 mm-hmm. age bracket where um, I had a situation going with some – and I don't want to say their names just out of respect for them, but I had um, – a couple instances over a couple of years where the same thing had kind of repeated itself across different people where um, some young women close to me had uh, developed eating disorders and extremely um, extremely dark mental health issues uh, which had led to um, some serious self-harming and um, legitimate suicide attempts mm-hmm. um and at that age it's a lot to it's heavy um but at the same time i'm also i choose to be grateful for having been through those experiences because it's given me purpose mm. um because it changed my entire paradigm on what i do and um what I can do for others. So as I mentioned, when I went into the industry, I was a young guy that was doing a half-assed job at uni, um, was come wrestling with the terms frustration, anger, uh, with failure of, you know, loss of identity and not knowing who I am. So my life was pretty much make money, do a little bit of uni just to sort of clear your conscience and go out and drink on the weekend with the boys and, rest on Sunday and do it all over again, you know. Um, And these these circumstances with that heavy emotional weight attached to it um, made me see that I had an opportunity um, to actually create some real change. But I recognised the signs. I was like, there's a problem here. I don't really understand. There's two uh, really beautiful young women that in my eyes are aesthetically – you know, have absolutely nothing wrong with them. They've got everything going for them. They've got charisma. They've got personality. They've got good looks. They've got smarts. Why are they feeling this way about themselves? And that's the whole fucking monster that is mental health. You know what I mean? Everything can appear perfectly on the outside, but what else is going on on the inside? So that that, that really um, kind of created a passion for me now um, and sparked the... Uh, sparked the, I suppose, motivation to start digging deeper into the psychology, into the things that I could actually control or influence to make improvement, which is functional nutrition, exercise, training, um, anything sort of health-related. And that kind of became my niche. Um, And I came to realise that uh, me as a single-handed personal trainer in a big-box gym had a very sort of – shallow bottleneck of how much change I could actually create, um, which um, led me to move to Melbourne. And I, um, I founded um, a personal training company called Gripped, 
which I started and gripped was meant to be representative of taking control of your circumstances um, and getting a grip, so to speak, on on your life and, and the future ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started that personal training company out of, um, like I said, I was at Zap in Liverpool Street in Hobart. That's a Tasmanian open, um, Tasmanian owned company, which is like an anytime fitness model. Um, they moved to Melbourne and I followed. Um, so I was in Racecourse Road in Flemington, um, where I started subcontracting trainers to to work um, under the under the name Gript, and um, they would get their commission. But I would basically do the um, all the sales work on the floor, the consulting, the programming, the nutrition, the you know the business management stuff, and um, and give them the work, just like a trade, I suppose. Um, and then did the same thing in Liverpool Street, sorry, Victoria Street um, in Carlton, so at the very top of the city there, top of Exhibition Street, um, where again I was just trying to get momentum going forward and was, was just. Two studios, or do you move the studio? No, or? two different gyms, trainers yeah. across each, and was starting to investigate the Elston Week location and putting somebody in there. But um, was just, yeah, again, finding myself very frustrated and hitting roadblocks and dead ends with the lack of um, cooperation or support I was getting from the gym. I think they almost felt threatened in a way of somebody trying to come in and shake up their their model or trying to monopolise the. Um, you know, the sites and the locations and get get sole rights to the personal training in that, which confused me because as a gym that has no locking contracts, their only retention tool really is personal training other than somebody's like for the facility. And the facility, like I said, it's an anytime fitness model. They're pretty sterile. They're very dentistry and, and kind of boring. So they didn't have that much there. But either way, I was talking to a friend at the time who um, who wasn't working um, and they'd come out of a banking background um we we had a relationship from um back in tasmania playing football together um and i was more just venting out of frustrations and what i was trying to do and had this idea and business model in my mind but uh being quite young and immature in the world of business as well probably lacked the confidence to go out and take it on myself um so we teamed up and and opened the studio the grip studio in south yarra um with with you know, pretty bare minimum. So um, he sold his car. I invested the money that I'd saved um, over the sort of year and a bit in Melbourne doing things in that, that structure and then borrowed borrowed $40,000 on a personal loan and, um, you know, we made that stretch as far as we could and consistently um, reinvested into that facility to improve it uh, to where it actually doubled in size and we took over the building next door as well, had one side dedicated to weight training and one side ded- dedicated to um, sort of hit metabolic conditioning kind of style mm-hmm. training. And um, and that I, I held that business for nearly five years um, and got to the point where we had sort of seven staff, 400 clients, um, you know, and, and generating generating good money but in that uh in that journey you know i was still young i'm still on this um this personal journey of growth and change as well uh and and, you know i used to think when people say people don't change that that was bullshit but people i think they really they really do change and what just so happened is that um i changed in one direction and my business partner changed in another um, and so when you're trying to, um, 
you know, plan for the future and grow and the two um, heads of that business are pulling in opposite directions that can – well, that's pretty obvious what can happen there. Mm. Um, but also the – the business grew and I managed to employ staff um, and delegate responsibility and back off the tools, so to speak. And we spoke about this in my podcast um, a couple of weeks ago. And for me, that was detrimental to my mindset, um, which is which is why I continue now to, to take sessions every morning because it gets me going, gets my juices flowing, puts me in the right mindset and I, and I thrive off that interaction and energy coming from other people. Very interesting you say that. Um, you know, I, I kind of went through a similar thing um, where I got off the tools and, and in a sense got out of a gym. You know, I worked so hard my whole life to get out of um, get out of a gym and, and almost go solely online and, um, yeah. you know, the second I got it, I hated it. Mm. Um, you know, I really, really hated it. And then again, it was kind of like, you know, again, this this evolving uh, mentality of like, you know, I think I set a goal to get out of the gym because it meant that I was going to be able to, to progress, right? And mm. then that, that represented what progress was going to be to me. Um, mm. And it was just an idea, you know. It, again, it was nothing but an idea. And then when I got it, I realised that I didn't really want it, you know, because it's like, you know, you, you lack human connection. Um, you lack the ability to 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 actually help people on the, high, the at the highest level, um, and I got straight back on. You know, now mm-hmm. I'm at uh, I'm I'm based out of Crew. Um, mm-hmm. I'm doing some work there. I'm I'm running some online stuff out of there. But you know, I, I'll go there for the second half of the day just because I get to be around people. Yeah, you know, they're they're good guys and they've got a lot of kind of good members as well. So for me to sit there and I'll do some work. You know, the first half of my day is is kind of pretty intensive in the books and and kind of doing what I need to do and then, you know, from about three o'clock onwards, I'm just talking to people, man. Mate, I had a podcast with uh, Chris Cochran, um, who's a friend of mine from back home who moved to Sydney and started Rapid Personal Training, which is one of the biggest personal training companies who actually provided some inspiration and direction for me to try and do what I did out of the commercial gym space before opening my own studio with Gripped. And he said a very similar thing, man, you know, before he had all this stuff, he delegated and he's spending his days in an office trying to, you know, do marketing strategies and all this bullshit, but didn't come to realise until after the fact that what was important that he needed to be out on the gym floor amongst his people, amongst the um, amongst the members, because that's where that's where he was going to thrive. You know what I mean? Relationships, man. Like it, you know, again, I think that's that's the the biggest thing that I got out of it was that you know relationships are the most important thing. If you can create trust. Uh, and, and culture within a group, um, it just takes so it, it really can just yeah. compound what the the movement is actually is. Relationships, man. You hit, you said the word. So you know, as I mentioned, we I got myself to my business to a point where I'd been able to delegate these responsibilities and sort of back off, so to speak. And and that's where you and I I put the the um, video up on my Instagram this week of you and I having a conversation and having not a difference in opinion, but a different in, difference in uh, perception, I suppose, yeah. um, which I was really eager to try and adopt and understand your approach to it. But mine was that I, I did back off and was thinking, yeah, this is cool. I don't need to be in the business. I need to work on the business. And by doing that, I lost, like I, I wasn't under pressure anymore. And so I didn't uh, – I think I lost – I wasn't goal-driven. I didn't quite know – like I said, the, the 
me and my business partner had started separating in terms of personality, so our relationship mm. had changed. Um, so I didn't really know what I was working towards um, and my level of care and um, ownership of my responsibilities, which was to be in the gym, in the gym floor, um, creating culture through my relationships and interaction with other people somewhat became more absent mm. and in my absence other people had an opportunity to do exactly that, influence culture um, and whatnot and the culture started to shift because we've just heard about where my passion originated from and when I originally opened that gym it was meant to be just women only and men just came a part of it because of of demand really and why not if we've got the ability to do so mm. but either way the principles remain the same because mental health issues aren't certainly aren't um, refined just to, to the females, but it's, it's just a little bit of a different yeah. different beast when body image is attached into it. So the whole thing was about um, instilling confidence into people through the form of exercise because you see people come in the gym with closed off body language, lack of confidence, eyes down, their instincts is to get on a machine and they tell you that's too heavy, I can't do it or whatever it may be. And um, through... Um, through having good self-awareness and emotional intelligence and, and and coaching people through that experience, having been there yourself, then they do something they didn't think that they – they just told me that they couldn't do it and they've done it. So now that will gain momentum. Shift in paradigm. And there's a big shift in paradigm and then I feel like that flows into other areas of their life, whether it be work or whether it be in their personal relationships or whatever, and they start to view problems – which is a negative word, as challenges. Because if you then t- take it on, you're like, F- well, fuck, I did that this morning. Mm. And I'm going to give this a go. If I, if I don't get it, what's the consequence? There is none. So changing their mindset around failure too, like just because you didn't achieve what you set out to do, whether that be short-term or long-term, it doesn't really matter. Man, it's crazy. So I've told this story before, but you know, I had a guy come to me. In a, 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 he, we literally, for PT, this was kind of a few years ago now, and... Um, he sat in front of me, man, and, and you know, they, they kind of got the word from the, the staff that he um, he had some mental health issues and, and, you know, he sat in front of me, man, and, and we were, you know, I've obviously got my consult papers out. I'm, I'm getting ready to do this. And then he, he had his head down. He wouldn't look at me. Mm. He literally wouldn't look at me. Um, and he couldn't talk. Mm. And I was like, fuck. Um, so then I, I just I just put that shit away. Like I was like, fuck it. Like it's not papers and shit right now. It's 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 connection. Mm. Um you know, and, and I took him through a session and, and you know, for, for the first month, all I did was every time he finished a rep, mm-hmm. I just said, you're capable. Yeah. And he wouldn't reply. He wouldn't reply. Um, and then over time, man, like he, you know, he, he just, he realized that he was capable and, and, you know, he lost like 25 kilo with me, mm-hmm. um, you know, to the point where now, and, and you know, he was on uh, meds and, and these kind of things as well. And, and you he know. to shake them. We, we got him, yeah. you know, it wasn't my decision, but I, I kind of, when he was ready, I was like, you should have this discussion. Of course, it's got to be their decision. Yeah, and also the doc as well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I said, you should go speak to your doc, have, have that, that conversation. Um, and, and, man, he's, he's literally about to buy his first house, been on three holidays around the world since then. Four, how good does that feel Four for job promotions. And, and, you know, similar to what you said before mm-hmm. is like, you know, when you found that, purpose mm-hmm. right that that was what for me like i had this passion for mindset because i had seen what it done for myself or the mind mm-hmm. maybe not mindset but the mind yeah i seen what it had done for me and and the power of it and then it was consolidated by that experience mm-hmm. um and then that is really what triggered me to go okay well this is 
my calling. Yeah. I'm going to study the mind so deeply now that I understand on a level. And and it's the mind's a funny thing because the more you understand about it, the more you, you know that there's – the more you don't understand. So it's this interesting – Completely, man. There's a physiological response to the psychological response. And I say it to people all the time. I don't work in the business for six-packs. I work in the business of people. You know, and there's um, that's why I call myself a health performance, health and performance coach. I'm not a physique coach. I'm mm-hmm. not a comp prep coach or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. If I want to get, if you want to get shredded, I can help you get <laughs> yeah, shredded. Yeah, yeah. But the amount of enjoyment that I get as a coach and fulfillment in my purpose and daily role of getting somebody who's 10% body fat down to 4% body fat versus um, frown to a smile. Ver, ver, exactly, seeing people after a three-month period of having created routine and habit of this practice of achieving things and being challenged and now you see them, that same person, walk in through the gym with their skin's glowing, their eyes are up, they've got a smile on their face, they're uh, projecting their voice across the room when they're saying good morning. That's what that that's the energy that I'm receiving from them. And, you know, a perfect example is, you know, probably my, my proudest moment with a client is um, is one of my girls who I've been working with for nearly three years now and she came from – she travels from the Mornington Peninsula to train with me every week and has done so for that nearly three-year period now and she came to me, um, you know, uh, fairly emotionally um, wrecked with some anxiety and depression and, and a serious eating disorder and, and was most definitely anorexic. And now she's – gained probably 10 15 kilos with amazing muscular development she's happier than she's ever been and all she wants to do is keep eating and and gaining weight which is such a refreshing um refreshing thing to hear from people that are typically trying to lose weight she's now a qualified personal trainer and uh, i think she's got a really really bright future because she's seen both sides of the coin and has that same emotional driver and purpose with what she's doing and there's going to be a lot of um, relatability there for young women coming from that kind of place or being in that same place now yeah i think the big thing with that is is you know when you find that, and, and it's a, such an important message again for anyone who's coming through the industry, like there's going to be a lot of trainers mm-hmm. that are listening to this. And I think that the, the your best work comes when you find a purpose that's bigger than you. Mate, uh, like, so, right, we're talking about the business and where I sort of started to delegate, right? I'm making good money. Okay, like I said, even from fucking 18 years old or younger, the idea of sport was cool because of the, the glitz and the glamour and the money. Mm. Okay, the fast cars and all the fun stuff. Okay, I'm just a big kid. I want to have those toys. They're not important. They're not. They're, they're not what. And and I learned this because I now found myself in a position where, you know, I didn't have to put in that much work. I'm making good money. My business pays for my nice car, but I was miserable. Mm. You know what I mean? So I couldn't. I couldn't. When I came to sort of look, I got asked the right questions that I hadn't been asked in a, in a long time, um, and and looked inward and realized, well, I've got all these things, and I'm still not happy. And I don't feel good about it. So that was the easiest decision. It wasn't an if I say easiest decision. It wasn't an easy decision. It was an extremely tough decision to walk away from something that you created and leave it with other people that have changed it to but, something that it's not meant to be. Because like I said, that that's what the culture was. That's what the goal of that place was meant to be about. But because I took a step back from my responsibilities, other people had influence and it sort of became more of this this powerlifting kind of culture. And don't get me wrong, I have nothing against powerlifting. I think it's amazing. But it's just not it's not me and it's mm. not what I was trying to do with the business. The and and, and, it, and the um, there was just a misalignment between 
our vision and mission statement and what was actually being delivered in the service. Um, so, yeah, walking away and sort of starting from scratch and being able to s- spread my wings into um, areas that have become of greater interest or um, areas of, you know, that I've now got knowledge in um, to diversify my skill set that sits outside of that um, sort of business structure that was, you know. Yeah, I think – so I was going to say this before but we kind of went on a tangent but, you know, when you were talking about the – the delegation and you know how I said on the podcast my, my biggest goal is to make it so that it doesn't it's fall on me you, yeah. um, and I think the dynamic is so important like for me uh, I've had a few different business models right and um, this was you know before the mastery kind of got to where it is now is that you know the dynamic is so important when it comes to delegation mm-hmm. um, because right now I'm very careful with the people that come into the mastery and I've put a lot of time and effort in um, into creating those structures and creating those values and those ethics and, and, you know, making sure that the only people that get the only individuals that can come into this family, man, and that's what I call it. Everybody knows who's within it is knows that it's a family mm-hmm. is you don't let bad people come near your family. Yeah. Right. You don't let the, these are the lines and if you want to be a part of this family, mm-hmm. you're within those lines. And and we set that. They like Anyone who comes into the mastery, they sign terms and conditions, but they also sign terms and conditions mm-hmm. to abide by certain values. Yep. The second you step out of that, you're out. And and that's that's what I've 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 made them sign. Like this is not just like something that, hey, this is hairy fairy. If you do not abide by these values, and this is what this family represents. Mm-hmm. You're out, yeah. right? And and this is this is like a lot of what we teach them within that is those values. And that that means like for me, the dynamic is is I want to empower people, right? And and I want to empower even people that we hire, right? To have that responsibility. But that responsibility doesn't go outside of these lines. And and it's because, again, it, it can happen that way. It's like I don't want to create a monster, yeah. right? I want to create opportunity, and I want to create. Uh, this overarching philosophy that changes the industry, that allows PTs to, you know, that changes the perception of what PTs are from PTs, Mm -hmm. right? So this is a rewarding career. You don't – and, you know, you certainly don't have to leave it in five years' time because it's not going to be – PT is the core foundation of your your skill set and you should really just – go all in at becoming a very good PT first. And once you've got that, you can start to evolve into other things with experience like I have. Um, And, you know, what I try to stand for now is, you know, it's a funny thing, especially with social media and stuff, it's just the raw, honest truth. Mm. Um, And I think there's a lot of people telling partial truths, uh, not being – willing to show vulnerability out of um, fear of judgment from others. So they put this persona on a, this is how I live my life and this is who I am as a person because they don't want to upset one and they want to keep their people pleasers, you know what I mean? Mm. Where And so, again, in my previous situation, I'm wanting to be outspoken about certain um, elements of lifestyle um, that is, is upsetting people within my business. Um, which gets me feeling sort of suppressed in a way. Mm. Um, I think like – And so this is what has brought on 
the birth of, of Jungle is when I made that decision, I went home to Tassie and sat and spent a lot of time in isolation and with my own mind and with my thoughts. And you know what I mean? When you're left with your own thoughts, then you don't have to listen to what everyone else is saying. You can actually listen to yourself. And, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here with what we spoke about last time. Yeah. But um, and, and that's where the the name and idea of jungle manifested because a jungle is full of diversity, and I want to welcome that because you don't have to fit into a certain mold that is health and wellness and fitness. Okay, a jungle, this place accepts it has radical acceptance of individuality, and just like you said about you're careful of who you let into your home. I've just opened up this week fifty. 50 memberships across three time slots. So it's, it's a very small, unique number of people. And what's important to me is managing the environment and the community that comes in here because this isn't to be twisted and confused with a commercial gym, right? So I've been talking to people that are like, oh, okay, like are you, are you open on Sunday? No. Are you open over Christmas? No. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I'd really like maybe a 24-hour option. Obviously, like the pool and sauna and stuff's good. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. If that's what your priorities are, then anytime fitness or water fitness first, they're probably going to be better for you. Like, so understand this is not the same conversation. This is not the same bracket as those two things. This is not a commercial gym. This is going to be, this is a serious training facility that wants to invite, and that's the key word, invite the right people in here that are like-minded, that are going to be training hard and you're going to be surrounded by those. So you let, you match everybody's energy. Energy is contagious. So you're there on the hack squat and you see someone working hard on the leg press next to you. You're like, well, fuck, I don't want to be outdone by that person. You know what I mean? Everyone matches and mirrors other people. So that, yeah. that, that's that's what I'm doing with this place. It's, I not, think it's, um, it's not for everybody and that's okay. That doesn't mean we're intimidating. That doesn't mean we're better than you. It's just we're different. Yeah, I think – you know, I, um, certainly I've referenced this before again, but uh, the, the Lion King um, yeah. and, and, you know, the, the, they create a song around uh, the universe that is the jungle. I had a hallucination um, about the Lion King. <laughs> yeah, come back to it. But it's like, you know, again, like you said, it's, it's so diverse um, and, you know, the, the way uh, the jungle actually works is it, it, it well, that the, first, the first lesson is it does work mm-hmm. and people – you know, there's certain animals that eat certain animals and there's this, um, what's it called? The ecosystem. Ecosystem, right? And it's, but it works. And and if you look at the way the Lion King's actually, you can actually take a lot of lessons out of that. And it's that, that it is so diverse mm-hmm. and there is a universal system that goes on and flows, right? But the reality is, is that there's no judgment from either or mm-hmm. any of the animals, mm-hmm. right? They There's this respect across the board that that's the way things are and that there should be a respect, uh, you know, for everybody that's in the jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second that someone steps out of that, which is Scar, mm-hmm. right, you notice it. How funny is it when you go back and watch children movies as an adult and pick up Fuck on me. whether they're there or whether they're not? So I recently watched The Mask. Jim Carrey. Yeah. Hadn't watched it since I was a kid. Loved that movie as a kid. Thought it was hilarious and just loved it. But then, and I could be completely off the game, but then again, Jim Carrey's pretty left field and highly, highly intelligent. He's probably just taken it on his own and done what he wanted to do with it. And I very much interpreted the, um, the wearing of the mask as kind of like a, um, sense of confidence and a shelter that, um, drugs give people. Yeah. So you, you, we all know those people that are very shy. You put a few drinks into them, all of a sudden they've got this confidence. They're the loudest person in the room. Mm. You know, it could be any drug. But then, 
um, obviously once you've maybe experienced these um, newfound levels of confidence and enjoyment and happiness that, of course, you're going to want to try it again. Mm. Um, and, and that's typically more than okay until it starts to become I'm detrimental and, um, you know, negative to mm. your decisions in, in your life. And then we're looking at the um, the legal system and how pe- people are looking at, like drug addiction is huge in society now and people are still looking at it as criminal where mm. a lot more of it is actually the need for counselling, support and rehabilitation. So, uh, yeah, it was just crazy yeah. looking at a movie that was made 20 years ago. Man, I watched The Lion King. When and and I, might be, I might be fucking shit out my ass. Yeah. That, it was cool to see those yeah, interpretations yeah. I said, and I went those and, metaphoric examples. I went and watched The Lion King with my partner and I was sitting there watching it, man. I was like fucking almost crying, dude. I was like, holy shit. Like it's like there's just so much in this movie that is just so beautiful and there's so many metaphors and, and lessons to be learned about <laughs> life. And I was sitting there and I was like, fucking pull it together, Kyle. <laughs> like pull Mate, it together. I'm telling tell you, last year after a, a few days, Having a bit of uh, fun myself, so feeling, feeling a little bit vulnerable after sort of <laughs> four, four days of partying and yeah. no sleep. Uh, I found myself on the Wednesday after that laying on the couch again watching what I thought would be a very happy childhood movie for me being Space Jam and I'm crying 10 minutes within to the movie because of how nice it is Michael Jordan's helping out the Looney Tunes and I'm thinking of my failures in my sporting ventures. Oh, I wasn't good enough and it was just, oh, fuck it. I, I was going from tears to laughing yeah. myself tears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, still. 100%. Um, but, yeah, like so, you know, we'll, we'll get, get back on track now. We'll stop talking about cartoons but um, – <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, back to this, and I've got a kind of question for you, man, is mm-hmm. like why gyms, right? So, you know, you obviously you had what you had with Gripped and, um, you know, you've kind of moved and, and created something now that is, is jungle and, you know, the, the guys listening have a fair idea of, um, you know, why. Uh, but why another gym? Why not? Because, again, you, you've got the knowledge, right? Like you've got the knowledge to – you know, we're, we're kind of we we both um, have similar acquaintances in terms of yep. we're good friends with like Jake Carter, mm. um, and a few of the the guys that don't have gyms or, or spaces. Um, what what is it about a space for you that um, that made you want to get one? I think I really believe in it, and a lot of it, to be honest, has come out of my own selfishness. Mm. Um, I wanted to create an environment and a facility that I wanted to train in. And I know that if I like to train it, other people are going to like it too because I've got a high standard. Mm. Um, and There it is. There's the oof, there. there's the alpha coming in. So, and in a way, it's funny. Like, like I said, I'm always, I'm always looking ahead of where, what's next and where I'm going. So I created this facility of grip that I was really proud of, but I feel like it had reached its capacity of what could be done in that facility from an uh, equipment and gym standpoint and perhaps combine with that and uh, and the culture that had, that had shifted, I w- was losing my motivation to train and exist in those four walls. Um, so now creating this place, I'm, I'm going to go next next level, make it even make it even better, create another environment that I just I want to train in mm-hmm. again. But um, I, I just believe – in the system of the gym, um, it brings me happiness. It brings me joy. I love teaching people. I love um, passing on knowledge, seeing them then go put that into practice and appreciate it. Um, it feels it feels good to be valued, um, and the the gym is what 
it um, it's the the recipe and the pathway for allowing people to um, be physically challenged, which builds mental strength, which then flows into the other areas of their life that are far more important that hold the value. So this really isn't about physicality and your aesthetics and what you're looking like. It's about creating a concrete foundation for what's going on up here rather than in your body. So it's, um, yeah, they're the pillars that everything will stem from is when you've had, because, you know, you see it all the time when you're, when you're faced with something that's extremely physically challenging, it's not, Physic, your mind will give up before your body will. But because there's no um, immediate and physical tangible reward or incentive, and I say this to people all the time, like if I said to you, give me, I'd give you $10,000 to give me five more reps, you'd give me seven. But because that motivation, external motivation isn't there, it's a lot easier for you to give, give up in your mind because, you, yes, you might have your goal, but it, that's a very slow, progressive um, accomplishment. So it doesn't hold as much weight in that moment when you're under pain, under stress, and the mind will give up. So when you start to overcome those uh, mental barriers, because if you quit once, you'll quit twice. And when you start getting into the habit of not quitting and letting your mind is more powerful than your body and you really get your body to uh, physically fail before the mind does – that has a lot of weight in how you conduct yourself in the rest of your life with your discipline, accountability, uh, your confidence. And, and that's that's it's certainly played that role for me and I've seen it play that role for other people. It's, and probably a, the biggest one for me is, man, to be honest, I was an angry little turd. Yeah. Um, and sure, a part of that still exists in me, but I'm, I'm far more peaceful and happy than what I was five years ago. Um, and a lot of that probably, uh, anger and aggression as a, as a young kid was, you know, just being full of testosterone, um, feeling inadequate, feeling like a failure, feeling, not, not understanding why people are having a pop at me that I don't even know just because of these expectations. Mm -hmm. So the gym was an avenue and an outlet for me to use something negative in my life in a positive manner and um and cleanse my mind and so having now worked on myself dug deep dug inside um worked on my psychology and having been able to let go of a lot of this this fuel which was sorry this this anger that was fueling my workouts you know you had to kind of reinvent well okay well what's going to get me to work out now you know and and again that's that's all tied in it's been multifactorial my dip off of probably you know i took nearly two years off weight training because um, yeah, a spiritual awakening, yeah. so to speak. I'm going to come back to what you said before. Um, you know, you were talking about the mind and, and how the, if you quit once, you quit again and um, a few a few little you aspects. Made it an option. Yeah, I, I, I actually presented on this on the weekend. I, you know, on Saturday, this is kind of what I presented on and there's a, a certain quote that really hems home or kind of hits home with this is that what we practice grows stronger, yeah. right? And and that what that represents is is that, you know, what we practice grows stronger, it talks about cortical thickening. So making those neuronal connections and then reiterating them or practicing them again, it means that that then becomes stronger. And that doesn't matter whether it's in a part or in a factor where it's um, going in a negative way or a positive way, whether you're overcoming that that uh, mental barrier or you're kind of 
falling trap to it where you are quitting um, and your body is quitting before your mind does or, or the opposite way around. And, and so it's that what we practice grows stronger. Um, and the other side of that is, is you know, uh, what's the difference between me, between lifting weights and me punching you in the face? Right? Like what's the difference? They're both pain, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the only difference between the two is uh, well, the one of them brings positive growth. Fucking knows, right? So one what of is them that? Doesn't that's, achieve anything positive, that's, really. It's metacognition, mm-hmm. right? So it's thinking about what's going on. It's this conceptual lens that we automatically have as humans on progress, right? So that's the thing. And the thing that you said before is, you know, with, with the, you know, if I gave someone ten thousand dollars to overcome that it's like you know we the more we can think about thinking and the more we can learn about the brain and the more we can uh, have this conceptual lens the more we can start to overcome these barriers that confine us and understand that they aren't in fact barriers right and it's just so important that we we can do that right and that's the beautiful thing about the gym is right that you know that when you're lifting a weight you're progressing Right, so that is that. If you think about that as a concept, coming into the gym, lifting a weight, inflicting pain on your body yep. for progress, mm-hmm. shows that sometimes you have to get a little bit fucking uncomfortable to make progress. Yeah, but you need to understand that it is mate, it is giving you progress because if you only see pain, then of course you're going to stop. Do you know what else I think? What it, what the attraction to the gym is for me, man, is that. If we look at like the last 100 years, like the way that the world's changed and we've evolved and everything has been unlike any other period of history. So, um, you know, there's all this uh, social expectation these days for equality and I'm all for it. I agree with it all. Um, and But there is parts of that conversation that has not left much room for men to be men. And I mean that in a sense, and when we talk about our long history of what, a couple hundred years ago, it wasn't that long ago, mate, we were hacking each other up with swords and, Mm. you know, we were savages. Mm. And to expect that all to have left our DNA, you know, we were out there hunters and gatherers and going to war and whatever. So to now just expect everybody to live civilly and neurotically, I think it's just... It's it's necessary, okay, to be civil, uh, and, and to to have humanity. But the reality is, I think a lot of men need somewhere to be a man and express themselves. And the gym and lifting weights can be that perfect environment to create this artificial fight or flight response that has a lot of cascading health benefits, hormonally, psychologically physically and emotionally. 100%. And you're right. Like it's – the the reality is is that, you know, a couple of hundred years ago there was only the emotional brain. Mm-hmm. That was that was what we needed. But over time we've also built the, the rational side of our brain, the, the, front, the prefrontal cortex, right, which is how we rationalise things now. Um, but, again, it's it still exists, right? And, and it's not even like it's – if we just take it away from just men for now, it's like it's, it's everybody. Everybody's still got that emotional brain, right, that, that brain that, and that instinct. And this is, you know, this is why consciousness and metacognition are so important because mm. without it we're always just listening to it. Um, and the thoughts that are provoked by the emotional side of our brain. Um, and that's still going to be there and they still, you still need to work on that, 
right? And uh, the gym is a place that you can do that. And the gym is a place that you can come and let those emotions out without being uh, directly, um, directly, what's the word I'm looking for? Without being judged, directly judged. And, you know, you can lift weights, you can scream. And you're not hurting anyone else. You're not hurting anybody else, right? And I think that's why it's such a beautiful thing. And I think, you know, that's why it can be the catalyst for not only PTs, but a lot of people in general. So, you know, the one thing about a PT is you get to bring someone into the place that you call home, the place that your environment, your jungle, yeah. and you can you can allow them to be. And, they can and express themselves exactly. in how, what feels natural to them. I think that goes in, you know, that goes into, like I almost somewhat feel a bit like an artist or, uh, you know, I, I, I like creativity and culture, philosophy, artistic stuff. And that goes into the fashion, you know, like I, why are you dressing that way? Well, that's just how I felt like dressing today mm. and whatever that may be. And you, when you're in the gym, if you, what noises are you making? What, what mood are you in? That's just a, it's a magnification of what you're feeling in that moment. And I want to welcome that because it's completely healthy and it's going to look different from person to person and that's where we can make this really playful because if we were all the fucking same, how boring. So having people down the gym floor get a bit of that banter going on, things that wouldn't typically be probably fly in an, a commercial gym environment where everyone's walking around with their headphones on and you can actually – Stiff as know, a board. You could hear someone's leak a fart out on the leg press if that so happened, you know. That's <laughs> why I've got these concrete floors here, mate. So you can spit, spew shit on the floor. I don't give a fuck. If that's what happens and you feel good for it after, then good on you, bro. For sure. Mm. All right, we'll leave it there, man. Um, tell the guys a little bit about Jungle where they can find it and – well, physically, you can find it in Regent Street in Paran. Uh, we are on Instagram and Facebook, so just Jungle HQ, or you've got my uh, personal tag being Babs, uh, where I put a lot of jungle-related and uh, educational, informative posts up. Um, but and then there's the uh, the junglehq.com.au website. So, and uh, finally, there the um, Jungle HQ podcast on iTunes, Podbean, and SoundCloud. If you want to. Hear some more. Awesome. All that stuff will be in the in the podcast notes as well. So if you want to go check it out, make cool. sure you do. It's a really cool facility. A lot of fucking amazing equipment. A lot of amazing yeah. people. Appreciate um, that. Thanks for coming on. Cheers, man.